This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I am great. I, I think we should just go, I know it's a running podcast, but let's just go no, let's just not talk running this week. We This is like the best sports week. I say this all the time. It, it is a great sports week. We got the Masters, we got March Madness Finals, baseball just started. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to break down everything except for running this week. All right, let's do it. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk NCAA national championship. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontenelle. Trent, how you doing, bud? I literally have the exact opposite kind of start <laughs> than Mike did because my notes are the Red Sox suck, and that's really where it stemmed from. The Celtics suck. The Patriots don't have a quarterback and doesn't look like they're going to move up in the draft. So let's talk running because I don't want to talk any other sport. I just want to talk running because all my teams suck. You got to uh, pull it together, Trent. We're, yeah, the Red Sox are winning right now. Thing, things are looking up. All of a sudden, things I'm, are uh, I'm focused on the pod, Mike. I'm not checking the scores of the Sox game while we're recording. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I went for a run this weekend. I thought you boys would appreciate where, where I went with this run this weekend. It was, it was kind of a strange run. But uh, I was up in New Hampshire, uh, up in my folks' house in, in the suburbs. And I, I was just bored, and I'm just jogging around the neighborhoods. And I, for some reason, and I know I'm going to sound like a psychopath, but I started to just, like, close my eyes when I was running. So I would just see, like, how many steps I could take, like, closing your eyes while running. And it's, like, it gets pretty terrifying, right? Because you don't want to run to a mailbox. You obviously don't want to run to a car or, like, a person coming by or something. But it's, like, it's a, it's a thrill, to like see like if you can get yourself to take that extra step without opening your eyes again so let me i know i sound like (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you how many steps do you guys think i took like i made a game out of it and i got uber competitive with it how many steps and i'm going at probably like i don't know 7 30 to the eight minute pace so solid pace how many like full strides at that pace you think i took without opening my eyes all right well i gotta i gotta ask some questions first are you like on a main road, on a back road, is there a sidewalk? Are you in the woods? Like no, no sidewalk. I'm on the road. It's it's like suburbia, right? So there's a lot of room. You know, there's mailboxes and there's some trees and some fences, but it's mainly like you could kind of just go up the curb onto some grass. You know, like that slanted curb, not the okay. like 90 degree angle curb. And what, so say, it's pretty easy terrain. It's pretty. What easy time? Terrain. What time of day? What time of day? Like 10 o'clock in the morning on like a Saturday. It's not very busy. There's not a lot of cars out. You know, I live in a, it's a quiet neighborhood. So I've closed my eyes on like a treadmill before. And I think I've only gotten like three or four steps before I was like terrified. So this seems way riskier. But you are a psycho. So I'm going to guess you got somewhere in the range of like 12 steps. So I... Mike, I went through the exact same thought process. I was like, I was like, all right, like a normal person, four, five, maybe six, 
but Trent's not normal. We've established that. And I, I said 12. I, I was going to say 12. So let's, let's see how close we got. I shit you not, boys. 38. No, get like, out of here. I swear. I got, to, I got to like 40, but the last two were cheating because I was like scared to like take another step forward. 38 full like length strides. I mean, again, just like jogging pace, but it is terrifying. Like, like, because I, I would only do it right when I knew I had a nice straightaway and I would see like, okay, if I go up over there, it'll be grass. And if I go over to the left, maybe I'll feel like the crown of the road or something. I end up on like the other side of the road or whatever. But it's like the nice straightaway. Hit by a car. <laughs> I know it was so dumb. But you, you like, you know it's clear, right? I'm like, I know it's clear. I know no, you it's don't. Clear. I know it's clear. And yeah, but you don't. And so it gets terrifying. And in your head, you just like, yeah, it, it get me through a run like very enjoyably. So were you're you, a psychopath. Were you by person? yourself for this? Yeah. So you <laughs> yeah, had, I was by myself. You had nothing to prove to anybody. This was just complete like no competition with yourself yeah 38 is way too it, many steps way too many it literally steps. started off with just like like i closed like it was sunny out so i like closed my eyes for like a step or two and then i was like i bet i can do three steps i bet i can do four steps and then i just kept going once i got to like you know high 20s i started having some mess ups and i'd have to i would just open my eyes instinctively but then i was able to kind of fight through that uh, and get to the high 30s. So I was very proud of myself. So I think two things here. First of all, the Peak Too Early podcast does not condone no. running with your eye closed. However, <laughs> if somebody happens to beat 38 steps with their eyes closed, I want to know about it. And I want a DM to the Instagram because Again, I don't want to make this a competition. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. I'm not endorsing it. (laughs) I'm not endorsing it in any way, but I want to I'm just saying I want to know about it if somebody runs more than 38 steps. Trent, I got a question for you. Out there. Come at me. Have have you ever heard of the Darwin Awards? Mm -mm. (laughs) It's isn't it isn't it a isn't it a thing where it's like people it's like you know survival of the fittest so like the least fit like the dumbest people you know the dumbest of the species will die and it's like the dumbest way people to die i see this as a potential like darwin darwin award it's like this guy was trying to break his record of 40 steps closing his eyes and he ran into oncoming traffic like i mean this is just the dumbest uh, yeah i'm not gonna lie it is the dumbest thing I never had thought that I would like, hit a car because I feel like I hear the car, right? Like, again, back roads, there's not that many cars. You can hear them if they're coming. But I was thinking of, like, what do I say to somebody when I just, like, run into them because they're out, like, getting mail out of their mailbox? Like, I'm sorry. That should be, I, that should be the least closed. of your worries, Trent. That should be the running, bumping into another human being should be the least of your worries. You should be worried about getting smoked by a car. You should be worried about tripping on the curb, smashing your teeth. You should be falling into a ditch and, and, and destroying your already destroyed shoulder. Like, what, there's a million things that could go wrong before bumping into another human being. I, so here's I probably would have benefited from talking to Steve before this. <laughs> here's a question. Are you... Let me preface. I, you know, we're all we're all gambling men, right? We we live for the thrill. We like the adrenaline rush. I can imagine that there's quite a bit of adrenaline associated with this. 
are you afraid that you might be addicted to the thrill? Like, are you, will you be partaking in this activity again? So what he's saying, can you, oh, you know, answer the question first. So I took a mundane, like four mile run, maybe three and a half to four mile run. And I turned it to the most electric thing I did that day. I could, I could see myself getting out there and trying to beat the record. Yes. Not in the city, but when I'm back in the backwoods. You know what you're doing to yourself is you're not going to be able to run without the thrill of, of death anymore. You're going to need to keep pushing the boundaries on your run or else you just, you, you're, you're run, you can't run anymore. Yeah. This is like, I might have just ruined my running career. Yeah. Like uncut gems, like the Adam Sandler's character, he's not going to be able to watch sports anymore without money on it. Right. Like when, when you have like, you know, the mob and, 100k on the game and like literally your life depends on a win you can't just watch a, a baseball game for fun anymore you're no longer going to be able to just like watch like go for a run anymore and you get can't satisfied. go back to your 25 dollar yeah. unit yeah it's yeah your unit your unit's gone like your your standard five mile run is gone you are <laughs> you're gonna be a, a you know a prisoner of the closed eyes game I guess I'm just not going to run then. I don't think I can actually like keep this up. Like I know I'm playing with fire, um, but maybe I'll just have to retire from running. That seems to be the only solution I'll have. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'm getting ready for the, uh, for the P2E mileage showdown coming up. And on Easter morning, I got up, I went out and I did a tempo run. Mike sat at home eating donuts, drinking not coffee. True. Not true. Didn't go for a run. So, Didn't so, go for a run on Easter morning. I'm out there grinding, doing a workout on a holiday, just right in Mike's face. Just Trent, right in his Trent, face. Steve's misleading the people. First of all, I mean, that's got to be – I'm surprised Steve could even focus on your story, Trent, because we just spent like 15 minutes on you know the eyes closing, but all Steve that was going through his head is how can I fit in – the fact that I ran on Easter, right? So that was killing Steve, first of all. And, and second of all, Steve's misleading the people. I, I took the dogs on not one, but two walks on the beach, okay? So, you know, I, I would say that's a little bit of propaganda Steve's throwing out there. Did you, did you walk on the soft sand or, like, down where it was, like, nice? Oh, uh, it, was, it was high tide, buddy. It was high tide, so all we had was soft sand. Yeah, I mean, that's – so not only is it soft sand, but you're kind of on an angle. And listen, I got a puppy that I'm dealing with, so you're not just out there for a leisurely walk. I mean, you're out there you're, – you're, you're working to keep this dog in line the whole time. That's a good you, Mike, you know every single, every single four-mile run I beat you on, I'm going to be reminding you of that, that workout I did while you were, you know, eating your Easter candy, eating your jelly beans, as, I mean, as eating long your as... Reese's eggs, and I'm out there grinding. As long as you're okay with me, as long as you're okay with me reminding you of my two dog walks when I beat you on my four mile legs, I think that's a fair deal. All right, all right. Well, that's coming up. Stay, stay tuned. We got more information coming about the P2E mileage showdown coming in the near future, guys. There's nothing really happening in the running world this week, and we got a little bit of a longer episode, so we're gonna skip the running news this week because we don't want to force it. But what we are gonna do is we're going to get into our interview with friend of the show. This is his second time on the podcast, Josh Kerr. Josh Kerr is a straight-up badass. 
This guy has been dominating every single race he's been in for the past six months. This guy, he's going to be, he's, 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 he's most likely going to be on Great Britain's Olympic team. He's going to be a contender for the medal. We're huge fans of this guy. I had a, I had a lot of fun talking to him. Yeah, you say most likely going to be. I, I think I feel pretty confident. He's going to be. He's going to be in the Olympics. He's going to be on Great Britain's Olympic team. I don't think we need to drop the most likely in there. This guy's a badass. Every race he, he hops in right now, he's just the most dominant the most dominant guy in the field. So not only is he going to be on Great Britain's uh, Olympic team, watch out for him being on a podium. That's all I'm saying. Mike, calling the shot. And you'll saying. hear it. Josh is calling a shot. Josh has been calling a shot for like two years now. He gets into how he's been thinking about the Olympics now for two years. So he's got the swag that's needed. Uh, he's got Mike in his corner to the max. So he's got the whole pot in his corner. All right, let's talk to him. Josh. What's up, man? How are we, boys? How are we? How are you doing, dude? Doing well. It's good to see you. How are things? Yeah, they're not too bad. They're not too bad. Just uh, grinding away here. It's uh, Everyone's kind of silent between like the indoor slash outdoor season like and then the main buildup. So, uh, yeah, we're just working away, man. Very cool. Are you in Albuquerque right now, or are you heading there next week? Yeah, so the team gets here, I want to say, on Wednesday, but I've been here um through like the break period because i rent a place here so with my girlfriend so we just uh i just kind of hunkered up here after after la so that was the big plan very cool very cool well after well, let's go let's go to la real quick and i think in general this this uh you know this this past year over the past six months you've been racing in a very I don't know different way but like a very unique way a very dominant way and you posted recently like if you have, if you, if you're surprised, you haven't been paying attention. Are you kind of like making a statement right now of like how you want to race or how you think you should be racing, or are you just experimenting with some some different tactics right now? Yeah, I think you you hit it well when you're saying um, how people should be racing. I feel like I race the way that people used to race, which is like go out there and show off your fitness. And I feel like people have been scared of that recently, and I'm not really sure why. But for me, it's like, you know, we don't have many opportunities to race. So why not just throw down everything you've got, throw the kitchen sink at it. You know, we've been working hard for months. Why not go for it instead of just like sitting off the pace, being nervous? It's like for me, I'm going to probably only race maybe three or four times before the trial. So why not test everything out? And, you know, for me, it was like I told Danny, I was like, I'm going to give everything I've got. And then this training period, we'll know exactly what kind of shape I'm in rather than you know, play timid and, and try and win a race that I felt like it was, it was a pretty, not a simple win for me, but like with the shape I was in, I thought the way I run it, it, it should be a simple win. So for me, it was just like, go out there and just show off kind of the hard work that me and Danny have been putting in over the last couple of months. Yeah. I feel like you, you kind of been feeling yourself a little bit recently and, <laughs> and, and you should like, you should be, you, you just been dominating everybody you race like on on the scale right now how how cocky are you like are you at like cocky enough for like any race in the u.s you know that you're gonna win are you like are you creeping in on like the cocky scale where it's like you're gonna get an international level you're gonna get an olympic stage and like there's nobody that can beat me right now 
Yeah, I think, you know, I have a lot of respect for myself and my own time. And I don't put this amount of time and effort into something. And I don't and don't think I'm going to be the best at it. Um, you know, for me, any any opportunity to race is a wasted opportunity if I don't give everything I've got. And, you know, from for a 1500 standpoint, I think in the US, I think, you know, I feel pretty, pretty, you know, happy in myself that I would, you know, I'd go out there and, and, and give it a good goal to win. I would never go into an, a race in the US and I'd be like, oh, you know, top three would be a good result. If I'm walking away other than in first place, I'm going to probably be annoyed with myself. Um, but yeah, confidence levels are high. Uh, that just comes from training, though. I train with, you know, some phenomenal athletes and Danny's a phenomenal coach. So I have nothing to complain about. You know, I have all the, all the assets around me to, to be, you know, the best athlete I can be. And I'm just kind of putting them together as, as well as possible. Gosh, I mean, come on. That's way too polished of an come on, you're cockier than that. You're cockier than that. Come on, man. I know you get on the line, you look to your left and you look to your right, and you're like, I yeah. these what, what come this is what you're gonna put up <laughs> against me right now. Like Well, the thing is when you've got when you've got the competition that there is in the UK, these these US guys don't seem to, to be up to par. <laughs> I don't know. I, there's something about it that just like I step up to the, the line of the US, it's like if I can't beat these guys. You know, what the heck am I going to do in, in June come British Champs in Manchester? So, yeah, there has to be a level of that confidence. If I'm not bringing that, then there's no point even trying to make this Olympic team. I know you're joking right now, but that gap you opened up at the Sound Runner invite was unbelievable. It was like out of nowhere. And you had like a 20 meter gap on the field. It's like, how the hell did that just happen? Yeah, I I don't really know. Like I, there was no boards up. Like I never looked around once. It was just like me and the and the time really. When you know, Kidder, you know, we went out a bit slow versus what we were were trying to do. But like for me, it was like okay, it's time to close. It's time to close hard, and I felt great throughout the whole race. And and it was just like I think maybe Spencer told me two hundred to go. Like you've got it or you got a gap. And and for me, it was just like let's try and see how fast we can run this last lap. But yeah, I think my my jump power and is is pretty good we've been in the gym quite a lot um for the for the build-up so i was feeling pretty powerful so i just went for it really and kind of laid it down because you know who doesn't want to want to watch that you know try and make it exciting for everyone jump power what's, what's your vertical right now oh see i actually can't jump but I, i'll i'll claim that what i was saying was like i i call the jump like what chairs used to be really good at is like that first like three meters, he would make this crazy gap. And I would just call that like his jump, like his jump was always amazing. So if you, if you stayed close enough to someone like Chaz when he was running in Oregon um, for his jump, like people would just then be like, oh, you know, he's gone. But actually what he was good at is that first 10 meters when he made his move. And then everyone was like, okay, the race is done. But actually from there, you could probably catch him back up. But yeah, so I've been working on that a little bit. And uh, I feel like it really put some negative thoughts in your competitors and competitors minds at that point. And, and then I was just there to kind of finish off what I started really. Speaking of uh, jumping, we had a guy named uh, Marquis Dendy on the podcast. Who's a long jumper uh, who might be the cockiest or triple jumper, might be the cockiest guy I ever met, but you just threw shade at the entire country. So I don't know. You're, you're getting right up there. Uh, it's pretty outrageous to be fair. Uh, yeah. Here we go. We're having great. fun. Eh? Love it. <laughs> but I mean, anyone can have that and if they're not fit as hell and like having the right mindset when they're actually running like it doesn't mean anything we're not talking to them we're not trying to get them on the podcast so to get to where you are right now like feeling fit and having just like the mental game clicking do you feel like like something has clicked for you in the past few months or do you just feel like this is like a couple years now of just like hard work you know grinding every day and now you're just like reaping the rewards and, and continue to work off that 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, for me, it's like the Olympic year last year, it was, it actually came around really quickly because we finished Worlds in 2019 in October. You know, by the time that we'd kind of taken a bit of downtime, it's November. It's like, oh, you're getting ready for a world indoors and you're getting ready for an outdoor Olympics. So it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise that it got pushed a year. So, yeah, I think, you know, I make, you know, when you're tired in sessions and you're putting all this work in, you you talk to yourself a lot. And for me, it was like, you know, make make sure you, you um, make a promise for yourself that whenever you get put in moments, you you go out and you do your job. And for me, it's like, go out and do your job. And my job is to win races. And uh, I've, I've done it throughout my whole career and I'm going to continue to do it. It doesn't matter what level or stage I'm at. If it's, it was Scotland, then it was Britain, then it was Europe, then it was America, and now it's the world. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's kind of being able to uh, adapt to the surroundings you've got. But for me, it's just like, you know, adapt, adapt to this new, new stage and, and it's time to, to kind of win medals. So, yeah, I, I just love winning races, man. I, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing like it. And as a, as a diehard Patriots fan, you, you rock in the do your job motto. It just like warms my heart, man. It's, you sound like a Bill Belichick disciple. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I always love that quote. It's just like, you know, you get paid to do a job, do your job, you know, don't come and half ass it, you know, do do exactly what you need yeah. to do to be successful in that in that job. Love it. So the the last time I uh, I saw you Josh, the last time I talked to you in person, you know, we were you know, probably a few too many deep at a <laughs> uh, at a bar somewhere in uh in Atlanta and having ourselves a good time. You seem locked in right now, right? You're giving me the polished answers. You're dominating on the track. Where uh, are you? Do you still allow yourself when you're like in that zone, when you're super locked in, to enjoy yourself, to have a good time? You know, maybe not exactly <laughs> to the point that we were at that night. Yeah. But, you know, fair. at least enjoy yourself a little bit in between races to kind of, you know, ease the tension. Or are you just like, boom all business right now are you are you following the bill belichick method to a t where it's like no nonsense yeah i think there's definitely there's space for nonsense um especially when you don't race as, as much as as i do so i um i definitely like to take my downtime uh, and i definitely like to take my time away from the sport if you overthink things and you know think bad things can happen so for me like was i out on the golf course yesterday drinking a couple of a couple of beers maybe but, you know, am I still, you know, I'd still ran 14 miles this, uh, that, that morning before and then, you know, 10 this morning. Yeah, I still do my job. If it gets in the way I did my job, then I'm doing something wrong. But I'm still, you know, this is a lifestyle. This isn't a camp, you know, like I'm not, I'm not like, oh, well, I'm locked in for four weeks or I'm locked in for six weeks. Like this is, this is my life. You know what I mean? I'm going to live it the way I want to live it. And I want to enjoy this process of, of trying to be the best in the world at something. So you know, if, if I feel like going and playing around at 18 with, with my boys and, and having a couple of bevies, then that might be, that might be the answer to, to a hard week of training. So uh, it definitely comes in moderation, but uh, I definitely enjoy my training and enjoy the, the lifestyle that, I, that comes with it. Josh, what's your, what's your handicap, your golf handicap? Oh, oh mate, I played so bad yesterday. So <laughs> bad. Um, I would like to say I'm maybe like a, 16 or 18 or something but i'm not sure i'm i'd like to think i'm shooting like mid 90s on a on a on a, on a, on a average day but it, it, i can yeah, see but, myself of the hundred and something very very quickly if you can if you can live in those mid 90s right you're not gonna be turning on your heads you're not gonna be impressing anybody but you can mm. play with anybody right you can go out there and have a good time and even if someone's way better than you you're playing well enough to 
to hang with them. So I think that's a good spot to be where you can like yeah. be a casual golf player. Like you said, drink your bevies is what you call them. I, I like that. <laughs> and, and once you start uh, getting under, once you start getting under 90, it's like, well, how many miles are you really putting in Josh? Right. You yeah, gotta, yeah, you gotta right. be <laughs> at a level where it's like, I can play with anybody, but yeah. I can't be too good. That's fair. Um, yeah. I think what, like during my break, once after LA, I was playing most days and I was getting better, but I was like, this ain't, this isn't what I want to do. Like I should probably get back to my, my real <laughs> job here. Um, but no, it is good. It's a, it's a nice way to relax as well. If you're, if you're driving a car as well and, it doesn't take two if you play nine and you're driving a car it's not the worst thing in the world if you have an off day or an easy day so no it is nice but i i told danny that was my cross training for uh for quite my time before worlds so i'll just i'll keep down on that I think are you uh are you one of those golfers that gets a little bit better after a few bevies or are you at that level now where the beverages you know take you down a few notches i'm i'm not sure um definitely the first one helps to ease mm -hmm. the tension and then, you know, it's, it, but it's such a, it's such a different sport. Like I'm standing on the first tee more nervous than I am standing on the world champs final start line. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. You're standing over a ball and I'm like, this could go absolutely anywhere. And so I'm like, you try and lock that in, but yeah, one, one beer definitely gets me relaxed. And then a couple after that's probably going to be detrimental to the performance. Yeah. I find, I, I find like two beers a nine is like my perfect amount. Mm. So then four beers over like a four hour period. That's when I'm anything more than that. It's going down anything less than that. I'm never going to get going. So. <laughs> Gosh, I'm, I'm, I like that. I'm so, I'm so happy. You just said what you just said, because if I could skip the first tee box every single time I play golf, oh. I, I, it, I shouldn't be nervous. Like it doesn't matter. Like nobody has any expectations for me on a golf course whatsoever. Um, you know, um, a mediocre former, you know, below average runner trying to play a, a, a sport he's no good at but I just feel like every like old timey golf guy is sitting in the clubhouse watching me on the first tee like completely judging me and even like if, if you're playing with somebody you've never played with before in my head I'm like they're gonna make every judgment of my we're about to play five hours of golf together but the only yeah. shot that matters is that first run off the tee so oh, yeah, yeah next time I'm on the first tee I'm gonna be like yeah even you know, some of the best milers in the world find this more nerve wracking than stepping on an Olympic. On an <laughs> Olympic it is like I will. And, and I'll do the same. Like if someone comes to the first tee, I will define them off their first shot. Like, I don't care if I'm watching you for oh, the next yeah. like Big time. 90 shots. If your first tee shot's terrible, I'm like, you are so bad at this sport. <laughs> but and, and it's the same for me, but I'll always mark up my first tee shot. I'm like, damn, they all think I'm terrible, even though I, I kind of am. But yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a tough moment in any sport, you know? So I, I don't want to spend too much time on golf, but I got to ask you about this. So what do you prefer? Do you prefer like the, the Scottish Lynx golf or do you prefer like the, the, the straightaway long fairways that you have in the United States? Well, to be fair, like when I played in Scotland, it's always been terrible weather and I'm there to have a good time. You know, I'm not there to get better at golf. I'm there to enjoy my, my time with my friends. Um, so I would say in that sense, like I enjoy the relaxed American golfing lifestyle, but you know, the courses in Scotland are, are beautiful. So you can't, you can't kind of give that up, but yeah, it's, it's two, it's two very different things. Cause you'll be, you might be winding and raining all over the place in Scotland and, but you know, you have a beautiful course there with, with some crazy players, but yeah, in the U S you just, you know, you grab some what, bud lights and, and jump on, on a course and it's lovely weather right here. So we're a Miller podcast, that. Josh. 
You're oh, see, no, I respect that. I was just kind of giving the more American thing, but I, yeah, yeah, I respect yeah. the Miller Lights. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say I'd say a golf trip to to Scotland's like it's probably like it's one of my top like dream vacations. It's something I want. I got to do. Yeah, whenever I fly back from here, like to to Edinburgh, there's always at least like a gr- one or two groups of guys that have their like travel golf bag when they're picking up their luggage and stuff. I'm like, oh, you guys are here for for a good time. What? What time of year do you go to Scotland? Is it rain all the time or is there like some good weather over there? Oh yeah, there's some good weather in like June. Um, but For a yeah. Week or two or? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's fine. I think it's just up and down and it's mostly down, but I'm there in the summer cuz we're there for like trials and stuff, so it's always pretty good weather when I'm there. Can, can it, we let that shift away uh, unless anyone else have any more golf questions? No, I think that's a perfect transition point. <laughs> oh, I wanted to go to trials. So I was thinking about today. Like I I don't really understand how like or any trials works besides the US, right? I just assume the other countries, you know, have a dozen different ways to send their guys to the Olympics. So educate myself and the listeners, you know, what is great, because it's Great Britain, what does Great Britain like trials look like? When is that? And what do you got to do to get to the Olympics? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a two day trial. Like you, you guys really like milk it. So you guys are doing it for like nine, 10 days. We're doing it on two. We have our, our heat and, and final within, within 24 hours. Like, so- yeah. It's, it's a really intense weekend. It's this, I think it's a Saturday, Sunday. So I think it's like the 26th and 27th of June. So it's right at the end of your guys' trials. And so for, say, the 1500, we'll do it with that. It's much easier. Um, if you have the standard and you're top two, you'll go automatically. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. However, if you're in third place, that place is like up to the discretion of the, the board. And so like two weeks later, they'll have like this board meeting and make a decision who's going to go. So it would say like last or two years ago, Wyman was third and Grice was fourth. And, and Charlie was, was ranked fourth in the world at this point, just around 330. But Wyman had got medals at Commonwealth Games. So it was like a whole big thing. And uh, so it was there to sit. It was the board's decision to who, who went. So, you know, Jake actually went, which was great. I think it's good to kind of keep the the art of the trials. I think that makes the most sense, especially in an event like the 1500 for, for the UK. But yeah, that's kind of normally how it goes. If you don't have the standard and you're in the top two, uh, you have two weeks to get the standard. And if you get it, you'll automatically go. But if you don't get it, then the, your spot opens up. So it's it's really complicated. I know the I like the US's and I think it would be really beneficial in our stronger and more deep events. But across the board, it doesn't make as much sense because we, we, we just don't, if something crazy happens, like which it could easily do in, in, in an off event for the UK, then, you know, anyone could be going, you know, you never know. So yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I have so many questions on that. One wait, where do you think you stand with the board? Do you think you're well liked by the board? Do you think they're going to, they're going to hook oh, you up? Yeah. Hopefully they're, hopefully they're listening. I love the board. The board are amazing. Um, I just picture, I've, I just picture a bunch of like old crusty dudes, and, you know, no, they're beaut- see- beautiful men and women. Yeah. Uh, I, I no, think they probably see you wearing your hat backwards right now. And like, God, this kid with this. Back. I don't know. I just, that's how I, I picture the track. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I around. picture the board. <laughs> they, so there's, there's a um, kind of, there's a, there's like a funding tier list like the, the like the US and um if you're on that you have like a British athletics coach I don't really know who's on the board if I'm being honest I'm thinking it's like those people in the heads there's like a head of endurance head of sprints head of jumps and stuff and I think they're the ones that make the decisions um so we me and Danny have close contact with 
um, a British athletics representative that I believe is on the board. He might not be, but he's definitely got close contact with them. So he kind of informs like throughout the year, like we let him know how training's going. Like we talk to him if, if you know, when we have good races and, and he asks questions if things are going bad or well or whatever. So they have a good insight on how everyone's training is going. Um, so they can kind of make a more informed decision if, if I ended up third or, or whatever. But yeah, they, it's, it's definitely about your potential as well. So if you've shown good potential in the past, that makes a massive difference. Like the, the big reason I think that Whiteman was picked was because he did, you know, medal at the Commonwealth Games, which is a difficult thing to do. And, you know, it's, yeah, I would like to think my 2019 performance would help me in this selection, but, you know, I, I don't particularly want to be leaving it up to third place. That's all I'm going to say. Josh, you got a guy that you're greasing and you don't even know if he's on the board or not. Yeah. Well, no, I know, I know he's, no, I, I, I have, well, I don't have to speak to him, but he's like the informant for the board if he's okay. not on the board. Okay. So yeah, he's a nice guy. I like him. What are you doing to grease him? Like send him a couple pairs of uh, glycerin and, and ghost every now and then? That might be the move, let's, actually. Just let's like, not get Josh in trouble here. Uh, Jeez uh, Louise, I'm not trying just, to get him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, I don't know. Well, the, the, like British effects is sponsored by Nike, and they, so I don't think he'd be allowed to wear them anyway. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about, about this year? First off, like, you know, I think there's a lot of un- uncertainty. I, I, we, we talked about it. We talked about it on last podcast. Where we were like, the fact that they're, they're coming out and they're saying that fans aren't allowed to come is, is a, it's a positive that the Olympics are going to happen. Like what's yeah. the feeling amongst the team right now? Like, and, and just kind of the, you know, you and your, your fellow Great Britain teammates, like, is it, are you feeling good about the Olympics happening right now? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, everything is looking pretty positive. I do think, you know, no fans was, was kind of inevitable um, for, for, from kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Like if you want a big, large sporting event to happen, I think it makes sense not to have fans um, right now in the state of where, where the world's at. And, you know, if we, if we want to be positive about it, I think that we're taking a positive out of that. Um, At the start of the year, it, it was a tough year in 2020 because, you know, we get told the Olympics aren't happening. So we're like, oh, damn, like we have to like slow down or people aren't motivated or whatever. So, you know, me and Danny had a big plan at the start of the year of like, you know, a specific time goal, which is obviously sub 330. And, and that's kind of my big goal is like if I run sub 330 in the Olympic final or if I run sub 330 when there's no Olympics, it's still a great year for me. So that's kind of our big aim. So even if they say, you know, the Olympics aren't happening, then I have this goal in mind that's going to kind of, you know, take a step forward in my career. Because, you know, I raced really well last year, but I didn't feel like I, you know, I didn't get any PBs. I didn't really do anything of notice um, for myself. But I knew I worked hard and I got a full year of, of injury-free training under my belt, which makes a massive difference for this year. But I, there's, no, there's no part of me thinks the Olympics aren't going to happen. Like everything's moving towards that. And yeah, I got the email a couple of days ago, I bought tickets like a year and a half, two years ago um, for my parents. Uh, it was ballsy. Yeah. I admit that. <laughs> and it was really expensive, like dumb expensive, but we're getting it back. Um, but yeah, you just, I, I believe it's going to happen. And, and that's the kind of attitude I'm bringing it, bringing to practice every day. And, and so is everyone on the beast team. And, and so is Danny. So yeah, I think uh, I, I believe it'll happen. Yeah. I mean, it, you got to have that mentality. You got to have the oh, mentality. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I better buy, buy tickets for my parents. If not, like, what are you doing out there? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, um, it, it, was a, it was an interesting experience spending like 10 grand on tickets. But, 
it was uh, I, I was definitely thinking to myself like, oh, you're bringing that into training, Josh. Son, uh, no more, no more pressure for you, mate. Uh, because it. it had to be it had to be bought with like an American card as well, because it was like the American drop of Olympic tickets. And my parents were like, so like, you gonna buy them? And I was like, yeah, I'll buy them. How much are they? Yeah, no, whatever. Ten grand, don't make a dent, mate. Whatever, have it. <laughs> and uh, and then I was like, geez, ten grand seems like a lot. Huh? Um, but yeah, we're getting that back, thankfully. And I think my parents ended up paying for them anyway. So I was like, whew. I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll finance a couple of things for that, but you know, hopefully we'll make it there. I have all the confidence in the world that you're making that team. <laughs> Thank you. But boy, would that be a tough pill to swallow missing out on the oh, team. I'd, sell them for, I'd have to sell them for a big profit. <laughs> yeah. Parents might uh, still want to go. I don't know. Yeah. I was just going to say, Hey, so let me, uh, let me bring, let me bring you to the Olympic race real quick though. Cause I, I got a kind of a question. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You're coming down the home stretch, right? First place, and you're going to get that gold. We all know that. We feel good about it. But on your left shoulder, come down the home stretch, you got one of your boys from the Brooks Beast. On your right yeah. shoulder, you got one of your boys, you know, one of your countrymen from Great Britain. Who, who are you hoping takes home that silver medal? Who, who are you hoping that you turn around and the first person you're hugging, are you are you hugging hugging a countryman? Or are you hugging you know Henry Wynn or one of your boys? I, what, what, what I, I would like? say, I would say it would be a classic Mo Farah Galen Rupp situation. You know, okay. I put I put a lot of hard work in with uh, with my one of my Brooks boys, and and uh, I I would love nothing better than one of those guys to get to get a silver. But I mean, look. I have a lot of respect for, for everyone else in, in the 1500 meter in the UK. I think, you know, it's a tough time for everyone because everyone's going to have to work real hard to get on the team. There's going to be going to be people left out of that GB team that are, you know, going to be good enough to make an Olympic final. And that's, that's a shame to, to anyone's hard work. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm training day in, day out with someone, I'm, I'm always going to kind of have rooting for them a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, that would be a pretty awesome experience, to be honest. I'd have to make sure I'd won first. I'd dip. I'd do everything, but then I'd figure out who was second. Based on uh, based on your trash talk, you're not really worried about any Americans being there in the final. It's just gonna be a, it's just gonna be the UK squad, just like one through six or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to. I don't know if you guys like. I don't know where your predictions lie for for the U.S. team. I think you know there's there's some quiet camps over in you know the Central camp and the. I don't know what Angles has been doing, um, but yeah, I mean, your your main contenders haven't been super loud yet, so it is. It is like it's it's very open. Like it is like it, it, anybody's guess. Anybody's guess. It's 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 crazy. Like it is it is wide open. The, the trials are going to be awesome. It is going to be must watch television because who the who knows what the hell is going to happen? It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's very interesting. I think you know you might even have some college kids in there as well. So that's pretty yeah. cool. It's going to be exciting. Well, before, before we wrap up here, I do want to give some love to, uh, to you and your boy, David Ribich on the sit and kick podcast. You know, one of my favorite podcasts, I, I really enjoy it. And you guys are doing something pretty cool that you just announced with, with some apparel where you're selling singlets and you're going to be using it to fund entry fees for, for athletes. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, me and Dave have this really dumb idea that that would which would be really cool for everyone who wants to to kind of have a free singlet, pretty much. So, you know, Brooks sent us over um, a bunch of singlets and shirts for for men and women, and and we're gonna put them on our website and 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 sell them for 
I don't think we figure out the price point yet because um, I don't think we want to undercut Brooks, but uh, we're going to sell them for a pretty solid price. And it's, it's the kind of, it's the elite gear. It's the, it's the gear that we wear for, for um, warm ups for, for races and things. So we're going to sell them. And, and, and the goal is, or it, this is going to happen is, is, you know, if you're going to race and, and you want to race in our single and our t-shirt, then buy it, buy it when we drop it. And then from there, um, if you like take a, a snap of you um, wearing it in a race, send us that through as an email and say how much the, the, the entry fee was, then we'll, we'll, we'll send you a Venmo of however much that entry fee was. And, and uh, hopefully it's a free, free singlet for you and that you enjoy the, the product and, and have a little sit, sit and kick logo and a, and a Brooks logo on your chest. And, you know, for us, it's, we want to find ways that, that have, you know, that we're able to give back to the running community. And I think, for people to go out and race and be excited to race, but not have to worry about the entry fee is, is something that, that, you know, we're passionate about and we might use the, whatever profits we make from it. We want to be, you know, paying the guests that come onto the, the podcast and also maybe paying some, some athletes that are kind of in between contracts right now. Cause you know, that's, that's the reality of the sport right now is, you know, companies are dropping athletes and it's a shame coming up to this Olympic year. And if we can help out any way we can, then, and that's what we want to do. And, and uh, it's definitely a lot of fun and, and, you know, we're going to lose a lot of money doing it, but I think we're definitely going to have a good time. So, yeah, I think uh, we're, we're going to be announcing all that stuff on our Instagram pretty soon and, and talking about it on the podcast. So it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good idea in our heads, but I think we're, we're, we're definitely going to lose a fair bit of money, which is always part of the fun. Yeah, I was, I was, you look, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. I, well, I was just saying it in my head. I was like, yeah, what, what are you going to do with that one asshole who like just <laughs> – you know, Google searches the most expensive race that they can possibly find. <laughs> you have to drop like a G just to cover this person's uh, <laughs> entry fee. Yeah, I think we're doing it up to the price of the singlet. It's probably the best way we do it. Um, so you can make all your money back if you get into a marathon that's like 200 bucks and we'll give you whatever it is back. But the uh, yeah, we, we, hope, we hope we have some, <laughs> we have some honesty in our, uh, yeah, we're going to have to be pretty strict with like, okay, we want to see a screenshot of like the receipt that you got. Like, I'm sure you get an email whenever you enter a race, we'll get, we'll get that email. We'll get, and we'll get the uh, confirmation number from, from the order. So yeah, hopefully there's, there's no, uh, no one that really wants to be evil with this. We're just trying to give back to the community and, and, uh, and hopefully people enjoy the product and, you know, we run in it every day. So we're, we're good advocates for it. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Awesome idea. I love it. You can look at it two ways too. You're supporting athletes. You're also supporting races. You're doing. Exactly. You're supporting your whole running community. So look at us go. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, Josh, we've had you on before. We know we don't end interviews that easily. We're gonna end it with a with a quick game down the home stretch. Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Down the home stretch. Rapid fire questions. We are gonna be hitting you with questions about things. Maybe not to do after a night of uh, late night partying. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right. First one, Josh, you get back late night from the bar and you and David decide to record a podcast. Good idea or bad idea? Oh, great idea. You spend 13 straight hours partying at the marathon trials. You get back, you just get into bed and you get a text from a couple of your friends to come meet you out at another bar and you decide to go meet them. Good idea or bad idea? Good idea. All right. Good time of the year, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're a few beers deep. You crack open the laptop. 
find yourself on Amazon, you know, you, you're thinking maybe I'm going to buy like a $400 weighted blanket. Good idea or bad idea? That's going to be a bad idea. I'm, <laughs> I'm into the weighted blankets, but dropping money, that kind of money, if it's not on an entry fee to a nightclub when you're drunk is dumb. All right. Last time we had you on, I, I believe we were talked a lot of like, like physical combat with the, the Brooks boys. So coming back from the bar, like who, who would win like the wrestling match at that point at 2 a.m.? Uh, definitely not Henry Wynn. Definitely not David Ribich. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give it to Brandon Kidder, and I know that's gonna make him really happy. But I don't. I don't give up very easily. So it will be a very long fight, and until I'm like choked out, it will probably go way too far. But and that's when Kidder you really can hold on. Day. Is yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. drinks. I'll deep. commit. I'll commit hard. So I feel like this happens almost every time you've had a long night, and it's you know my my feelings on it are I have mixed emotions on it inevitably somebody will always suggest hey is domino's open good idea or bad idea <laughs> always a good idea get those late night carbs my uh, my nutritionist might disagree with that but yeah i would say yeah yeah I, I, that was you kind of stole mine a little bit there i was gonna say you know the, the late night and you you end up turning on the oven to like throw in a frozen pizza and you, you know pass out on the couch but we'll skip that one we'll go to um there's also nothing uglier than like leftover pizza the next, oh, the next morning. But you, <laughs> I disagree. Inevitably, inevitably gonna go to the the box first thing in the morning, and that'll be your. your yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm saying it's definitely doable. You know, you, you reach over, you're like, well, there's breakfast, but it's definitely not pretty. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm a, I'm gonna take you a little day drinking atmosphere here. So you know, you might you, you go to a party maybe with the intention of only having you know, a beer or two, maybe it's 4th of July or something like that. And you're thinking, I still got my run to, to, to go later. Maybe you have a, a few more than, than you were thinking. What, what's the most amount of beers that you have drank and still had to go for your run later on that day? Uh, yeah, a lot. actually. <laughs> so I know this is going to be quick fire, but I'll give you a quick, quick story. So Take as long as you need. I was at World World Juniors. Yeah, I was at World Juniors, and uh, the fifteen hundred heat was solid. Got through it, ran the fifteen final. Uh, ended up losing to Jacob Ingebrigtsen when he was like twelve years old. I don't know. I was maybe eighth or tenth, whatever. <laughs> Bad day for me. And uh, the next day we came back to watch eight hundreds, and I was there with a, a teammate Archie Davis, and we were day drinking in the stadium. And then he tells me he had a, he had a tempo to run, and I was like, oh that sounds like a terrible idea. I'm on my break. And he was like, oh, so a couple more drinks, whatever. Cause we were in Poland. So we were drinking like absinthe as well. Cause that was like the big thing there. And um, yeah, I mean, he was like, I'm going to go for this four mile tempo. And I was like, all right, I'll come whatever. Like, so we both went on this like straight up tempo. I felt like I was, you know, the way where you feel like instead of you're just like running, you feel like you're running away from something. That's what I felt. I felt like I was running away from something. So I did a four mile tempo. I don't remember paces. I might have to reach out and ask if he still has that data, but yeah, I was, I was deep. I want to say maybe I'd had, you know, six or seven beers nice. worth of drinks. Nice. So yeah, tough day. Well, I think that is the perfect way to end it. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Wish you the best of luck heading into this spring, to the trials, to the Olympics. We're going to be rooting on, rooting you on. Thank you, guys. Absolute pleasure.
thanks again to uh, Josh Kerr for coming on the podcast. Just one of the one of the good friends of the program. I mean, and one of the real good guys in sports. Somebody that we want to see succeed. But I mean, guy. I mean, he's our guy, right? He, I mean, he's probably the only non-American that we're going to be cheering for just as hard as the Americans, and hopefully the Olympics knock on wood. I think you. Uh... You're going to offend some of our Australian friends. I was about to say. say. That's Morgan, true. Morgan, I totally Morgan, forgot about our audience. Listening. But to your point, I am all in on Josh. It's like, you know, I kind of asked that question, put him on the spot. It's like, who you for your teammate or your country? It's like, if I am in a situation where it's like a USA guy and Josh coming down the home stretch, I'm, I'm going to be put in a tough place there. I don't know. It's not, not a place I'm going to be very comfortable in. I mean, yeah, I yeah, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, chances are like there's I'm probably gonna be if it's if Josh is in the mix coming down the home stretch, I'm probably cheering harder for him than 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 most. Let's just put it that way. But anyways, great having him on. A lot of fun ch- chatting with him. Um, guys, it is April. Can you believe that? It is friggin' April. April. And most years. This is Boston Marathon Month. I mean, it's not this year. Boston Marathon's obviously moved to October. But this is the time of year that we get all excited to either run the Boston Marathon or have a, you know, an all-out party-filled day watching people destroy themselves over 26.2 miles from, uh, you know, Hopkinton to to Boston. So uh, we don't have that this year. So what we did want to do is we wanted to capture some of the excitement of the Boston Marathon time of the year and talk a little bit Boston Marathon. And we decided to throw it back to a P2E Classics and do a slightly different one than we've done in the past. Today, we're going to be breaking down the legend of Rosie Ruiz. I needed this. I, uh, I just booked the, like 18 holes on Patriots Day. And it was the weirdest thing of like, I have my Patriots Day free. I can just go play golf all that day. So I need some Boston Marathon talk. I'm excited for this. And for those of you outside of Massachusetts that don't know what Patriots Day is, is Massachusetts essentially made up a fake holiday to get Boston Marathon off of work so everybody can go in and watch the Boston Marathon and party. That's how, I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but that's how awesome the Boston Marathon is in Massachusetts, that Massachusetts made up a fake holiday so people could take the day off of work, party, and watch a running event. How cool is that? It's the best. It, it, you know, obviously, I don't know what goes on with the other major marathons in the country. I don't know if they have their own versions of this stuff, but I, I like to believe that they don't and that that the Boston Marathon is completely unique in that way. And yeah, maybe we're biased. I don't know. I'm going to say it. The Boston Marathon is the greatest marathon in the world. Now I'm a little nervous that I actually don't have the day off. Like, do they <laughs> yeah, you might the want to check with that. the marathon. And so I'm going to be out on like a golf course and my phone's going to be blowing up for my boss. We'll see. All right, gentlemen, let's go back to 1980 Boston Marathon to the legend of Rosie Ruiz. So now Rosie Ruiz, for those of you that don't know, in 1980 on Patriots Day and Marathon Monday here in Boston, Rosie Ruiz was the first female to cross the finish line in a time of 2.31.56. And on that day, she was named the Boston Marathon champion. It came out shortly after 
days after that she had cheated, she had cut the course, and she was not the Boston Marathon champion. Now, something like this, something like this could not have happened today. A, because the course is much more secure and you can't jump in and jump out of the race. But also, in general, people, there's more coverage and people are more aware of like what's happening and what an elite runner should look like, how they should look, you know, coming across the finish line. They should, they, they will have coverage of this runner running the entire course. So something like this is absolutely impossible today. But at the time, she crossed the finish line and the coverage was like, we don't know this girl. You know, she came out of nowhere. She's the champion. This is an amazing story at first. And, you know, let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit. What, what are you guys first, first thoughts on this story? I, I just have like, I have a million thoughts. I have so many different directions. I want to go with this. I just don't even know where to start because the more I learn about Rosie Ruiz, the more I kind of investigate into, into who she was. I mean, what an incredible maniac this girl <laughs> is. I mean, just the gall on her. So she, you know, I I think the, uh, you know, there's rumors that say she told the, a friend of hers that she was not planning on winning it. She was just planning on jumping in. And publicly, she's never said that she didn't cheat. She, you know, till the day she died, stood by the fact that she ran that. that That's time. the best part. That's which, the best part. Right. Which is We're going to break down all these details until the day she died. She claimed that she was the rightful winner of the 1980 Boston Marathon, which is just outrageous. And not that's like she also claims that I think she finished like 25th at the New York Marathon, which was also a lie. She cheated in that one. There was like apparently I think she like met a reporter on the train, like while she was taking the train to the finish line. The reporter was like, "Yeah, no, like I know." I think it was after she won the Boston Marathon. The reporter was just like, "Yeah, no, I that girl cheated at the New York Marathon too." So yeah, she just completely sticks with her story. And if you go to like the post game interview, when you have you're crowning this unbelievable story, right? Like let's say somehow we, this story is true. Get there, Mike. Before can we can we get All to right, the yeah. post game? Okay, let's let's start let's start with the image of her crossing the finish line. So it's at it's at two thirty one, which at the time was the fastest Boston Marathon. I believe it was the fastest American mar- a female marathon at the time. It was the third fastest marathon ever run by a female so she comes crossing the finish line and it's 230 so you're still with you know a a ton of elite men who are coming across the line that look like 230 marathoners you know you know just kind of finishing like a 230 marathoner should and she comes running down Boylston just kind of stumbling around awkward form in a cotton t-shirt with a with a little bit of sweat it looked like you know she had just dumped some water on herself to look like she was sweating but she comes running across you know stumbling across the finish line not at 231 pace stumbling across the finish line into the arms of race officials and you know the announcers are stunned they're like where did this girl come from she wasn't on any of the coverage up to this point this is unbelievable so that was the only thing she pulled off well though was the collapse into the guy's arm at the end like that part you're looking at it and it's like that's what you should look like she didn't look like it coming in the stretch but you know she's falling apart she's running world 
pretty much world record pacers right behind it. So the collapse in the arms is a good play by Rosie. After that, I mean, it falls apart. And, and maybe I'm just, just looking at it through the lens of today, but I just can't believe that they even like give her the time of day of putting like, you know, the wreath crown on her and all this but stuff. What are they going to do, Trent? Right? Like you can't, you can't call her a cheater the second, cause you have no, like, imagine if you called her a cheater and it was just like, Oh, actually, no, like this is just like a crazy Cinderella story and she did win it. But like, and, and we also have to go back to the time of like 1980. So I think they either Boston Marathon, I think they started offering prize money in like 1982. So it was still like a pretty like recreational event that was still like a little it was it's it wasn't well known at the time. Still, the lady comes through and the reporter who's asking the questions like can tell something's up right oh she's she asking the hell out of her yeah but she she couldn't actually go through and like like call it out or i mean i guess what are you gonna do your national television but, but she said it without saying it yeah but she didn't go far enough because in the end she's like our unofficial winner like she even was just giving her too much props i feel like somebody that knew running you know she needed to speak up there at the time like everyone there that knew she didn't run it because everybody there knew it and nobody was like willing to speak up at that moment see, to be like, there's no way. I, I, I kind of disagree, Trent, because as a reporter there, like I said, on the off chance that this girl was some kind of miracle and did come out of nowhere to beat some of the, like the most elite marathoners in the country, you can't be on record like calling her a cheater. But she did like basically turn into the camera and say, unbelievable. And our, she, you know, our coverage missed every, she missed every single checkpoint or something like that. She, she like kept saying things that made it clear, like for the viewer at home, you need to know there's something fishy here. And she even said like, the time is not official yet. Like she was dropping hints without completely saying like, Hey Mike, hey. let's, let's drop in the, uh, let's drop in the, the yeah, Catherine yeah, yeah. Switzer's interview, right? So Catholic Switzer, she still does the, the, the commentating on the Boston Marathon, and she knows the sport. And she's asking questions. Like, when she asked the question, like, when she was asking about intervals, right, she's like, what kind of – and she wanted to make it known without, without straight up calling her a liar and a cheater on national television. She's just like – she's just like, 
did you do any intervals to get ready for this? And then Rosie Ruiz doesn't know what intervals are. Like, that's just like a dead giveaway that she's like trying to put her on a spot that this girl is a cheater. And then she like emphasized the fact that, oh, you ran New York City, you went from 256 down to 231. Huh. You know, so I do think Catherine Switzer was kind of like leaning into the fact that she knew this girl was a cheater. I do appreciate that Rosie kind of um she could have gone with like the oh i'm a great runner persona and when asked like have you been doing a lot of intervals she could have just said yes but she decided early on in like this this act that she was gonna lean into this like miracle story and that she was just kind of like ignorant like oh i just showed up and ran fast kind of attitude i don't know anything about running she's like oh you know you know who advises you she's like oh I, I advise myself and she's like oh yeah what is an interval so she kind of was playing like the I, I to me it seemed like she made the conscious decision to like she she wanted the attention she wanted the fame so she's like I'm gonna lean into this like miracle story well, yeah the, she, she was quoted as she was like how did you how did you win the boss marathon she was quoted as I woke up with a lot of energy today it's not how you win a marathon people if if she really wanted to pull it off, she should have been pulling because she's she was Cuban American. I'd be pulling like the I'm way too tired to speak. I barely speak English. Like, don't ask me these questions up here and just like act like you can barely walk and like barely get through. Like you're blacked out. You're that tired. You know, following a marathon. But like you said, Mike, apparently it was just about you know the attention because she goes up there with all like the kahunas in the world to just stare at the camera and like blatantly talk about. She doesn't even know you know what an interval is. So I don't know. I go, I go back where it's like, how did nobody just take the mic and be like, there's no way she won. And then I go to her and I'm like, for you just to stand there and like, like not even try to put up a story, not even like, you know, read a book about running. So you could talk about some sort of workout or training plan beforehand and go ahead with this plan. You almost got to respect it. It's crazy. And, and so, and then for Rosie's side of things, right? Like I was saying, absolute maniac. She, if her story is true that like she supposedly told her friend that she wasn't planning on winning it. Right. She was just trying to like, you know, finish top 10 or something. She comes through the finish line, puts on, she only ran a half mile, but puts on that act where she collapses, then puts on the crown. Doesn't look nervous at all. Just keeps a smile on her face and just lie after lie after lie on national television. I mean, Rosie's, I don't know what kind of person you have to be to look straight into a camera and just lie to the world with no shame whatsoever and then take that to your death. We're going to get into the type of person that can do that in a second. So So, before before we do that though, I I know I got, we got a lot to cover. But but what I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, right? We don't have like camera footage of Rose. Like it's, we're 99.9% sure she's been stripped of her title that she, but to my knowledge, we don't have like camera footage of, of her coming onto the course or cheating. It's all like, you know, word of mouth type stuff and evidence we've collected. What, what about that 0.01% chance that we're wrong this whole time. And Rosie took it to her grave knowing the truth she's the only one who know the truth there's some kind of explanation for how no camera saw her how no runner saw her pass them 
She missed every checkpoint. There's some kind of crazy explanation, some world out there where Rosie Ruiz actually won the Boston Marathon that day. So you're saying the entire world is doesn't know what happened, and she's actually she, the greatest story in the history of yeah, sports. Yeah, there should be, like, we should be praising her for this, like, unbelievable Cinderella story. And we, like, mocked her and called her a maniac and crazy all the way to their death. And she took it with her, knowing that she actually won that race. She ran six point two. I wanted to destroy you for that when you started, but as the further you got with it, I was like, "But just yeah, that it's would like, be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool." I I want to want to believe that. All right, let's get out of fantasy fantasy land and let's get into some facts. So she was seen on the subway, you know, shortly before this, on the T, shortly before this. She there's. Allegedly. Oh, Steve's fro Steve's frozen. He's trying to he's trying to expose Rosie Ruiz and she's coming back from the dead. She won't let him talk. Now we can we can further explore this take now. It's just Rosie yeah, Ruiz just actually was the winner. Now that Steve's gone. Marathon. I actually think this is proof. Steve's internet has been fine all night long. And then he tries the to go Rosie Ruiz just, just yes, shut me up. Yes. You, oh, you I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. Your I, internet, no, Steve, your internet's been fine all night long. And yeah. all of a sudden, you try and dispel my theory. I'm kind Boom. of freaked out right now. I'm I know, not you, you should be. Kind of freaked out. So I'm not going to say that these are facts. I'm going to say allegedly, allegedly. Rosie, Ghost of Rosie Ruiz, allegedly, there's accounts of you being on the subway or the T, the Boston T system, shortly before the finish of this race. There's several accounts of you jumping into the race at mile 25 and then running to the finish line and taking the win and then to go a step further it turns out that she did something very similar in new york where she she jumped in like right before the finish line and what did they say that there was like she went to she she got taken directly to the met she said she was uh she was having trouble standing. She got she got taken directly to the medical tent. Like nobody checked or anything. And because she got taken directly to the medical tent, they just gave her that time. And that's how she got her qualifier for Boston. Was that nobody checked it? She just went straight to the medical tent, which is which is crazy. So now she's done this for two races, right? And then you know you look at her past, and there's some crazy stuff that did happen to her. So. I guess, you know, she was a Cuban immigrant, and I guess early on in her life, she had a tangerine-sized tumor removed from her head, removed from her brain, and she had a plastic plate put in. So right away, like, there could be some, like, significant problems that could come from that. We can all, we can. and so she goes on, she, she starts cheating in these, she starts cheating in these marathons. She, she, you know, becomes for a short time the, the, uh, the 1980 Boston Marathon champion. She gets discovered as a fraud shortly after that. And her name kind of becomes this like, you know, this folklore thing of like this, you know, the name of cheating in sports is, is Rosie Ruiz. See, wasn't there a story like, I forget, I think it was she, um, because of the weird thing that happened at the New York Marathon, there wasn't like hard confirmation of her time. Yeah. But she was able to talk her way into her Boston qualifier because she like told them that she was dying from cancer or something like that, which 
No, no, that that came to get so her application to get into the into the New York Marathon was late, and she petitioned that's what it was. New York okay. City Roadrunners saying that she was dying of cancer, and so they they let her in. And you're right, there was no like official record, but they were able to pull the records from the medical tent that that gotcha. said that. Yeah, so all this craziness with New York, but so she 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 becomes like you know synonymous with cheating. Rosie Ruiz, right? She would later on in life get arrested in Miami for delivering two kilos of cocaine and it would she would she would go on to discover that she was essentially the middleman between a drug kingpin and like drug dealers just just you know transporting these kilos of cocaine back and forth as her job just crazy absolutely nuts she also she also allegedly stole fifty thousand dollars from the company she was working for. <laughs> oh I mean, th- she might be one of the most interesting people to ever grace. I was just gonna say, Earth. I need a movie. I need a. Why hasn't there been a Rosie Ruiz movie? I didn't know any of like the backgrounds. Like obviously, I knew the Rosie Ruiz story, but like the cocaine and the the theft and just like the absolute lunacy that this this woman is allegedly uh it i mean yeah she is fascinating fascinating and, and you alluded to it earlier mike like when she does the interview you know and, and she is able to just like believe the story or at least pretend like she right. believed the story to go out is just is yeah the, to add to just like the fascinating of who this person is that she can be like a cocaine you know kingpin uh, cheating a serial marathon, you know, cheater, uh, a tax evasion or whatever else it was, and stealing from a boss, and then just like put on that persona and face the world. It's it's great. So when you when you are a cocaine slinging, you know, money stealing marathon criminal. Champ. No, but like criminal. First of all, where do you come up with like? the time and desire to go cheat in marathons and second of all wouldn't you want to like you know maybe stay under the radar if you're just slinging like (laughs) copious amounts of cocaine like maybe you don't want your face all over like cbs news like cbs boston news for winning the boston marathon and then worse getting caught for cheating that here we are 40 years later still talking about you like it feels like you probably like i think her kingpin was probably like really rosie like really like that's that's what we're gonna do right now we're gonna get ourselves all over the news like yeah come on lay lay low lay low you gotta fly under the radar yeah so my biggest takeaway from this whole thing like thinking back about it is rosie did a terrible job cheating but if she could have fooled everyone for like a, a even just a few hours there somebody could have cheated better and somebody could have actually like pulled this off i bet like you don't hop in at mile 25 obviously you hop in when there's still kind of like a a little bit of a pack there mile like 12 to 14 and now you only have to run half of it right you just get in at the right time there's not many fans around one of those little dead areas where there's like a little pond or something i don't know and just kind of sneak your way into it and then pull off especially back then like rosie shows there was a lot of potential for someone to do this right and uh, I guess maybe someone has done it right, and we don't know about it. I don't think she could have. Yes, I agree. There's definitely the potential to do it right. 
but I don't think she could have run more than like a mile and a quarter. Like, I think that's like the whole thing. That's why she jumped in where she did. That's like, that's the dish she can run. So yeah. for her to choose the marathon to try and cheat in then as someone that like that, that's what her running ability is, is, is great. But with that said, the winner of the 1980 marathon, Jacqueline, I don't remember her last name, Jacqueline something. Gatow. Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline Garo. Right. So she broke the course record that day. She ran, she ran like 234. She ran, she ran like PR by, by like five minutes. But, she ran a great run. She had a great run. Nobody but, knows about who are we sitting here talking about today, Steve? Rosie Ruiz is an absolute legend of the running world. She'll go down in history. So I think mission accomplished for her, right? I, I mean, in my mind, she had a more successful running career than Jacqueline, whoever, who broke the, the, course, who broke the course record that day. I, I, until I started doing research, I'd never heard that name in my entire life. But I know Rosie Ruiz. She's a she's a legend. This is true. This Legends is true. never die. Legends never die. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about Jacqueline real quick. What is that feeling like when you know you're in first place and then you hear over like the intercom, the second female finisher coming in? <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what? The? Especially when you're like breaking records and stuff too. Like that's terrible. <laughs> so uh, my last my last thought on this is like Netflix. Like you know you. You have like, you know, a genre that's like, you know, narco, Scarface, like, you know, drug dealers, all that stuff. And then you have true crime. Why hasn't there been a documentary or movie? We mentioned the movie, but there, Netflix should take this on and make like a, you know, a four-part series on this Rosie Ruiz story. 100%. People watch that. I, I swear I knew Rosie Ruiz before I knew any professional runner. Like before I was a, a fan of running, before I even thought about being a runner. I knew who Rosie Ruiz is. Yeah. And Netflix, if you need some people to commentate the, the documentary. You got them right in. Let's yes. do it. If you need somebody to throw in the take, like, what if Rosie Ruiz actually did run the marathon? You got <laughs> us. Uh, all right. Successful uh, P2E classic there. Let's, uh, let's kick off the Bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the Bell app? So – Masters weekend, one of my favorite weekends of the year, one of my favorite sporting events. And for those of you who, who do not know, Jordan Spieth is my guy. I've said on many occasions that Jordan Spieth is my favorite non-New England sports athlete out there. And I am here to tell you officially 100%, no doubt about it, he is back. Couldn't have gotten his first win back at a better time the week before the Masters. If you haven't placed your Jordan Spieth bet, yeah, listen, I hit it when it was plus 5,000 three months ago. It's now plus 1,000. You're running out of time, folks. Get it in. Jordan Smith is going to win the Masters. Let's go. I'm sitting on a plus 5,000 ticket. I'm ready to roll. Trent, what do you got people on the Bell app? I'm going to work so that it's a pure guts race at the end. And if it is, I am the only one who can win it. Steve Prefontaine said that, and I've been thinking a lot about the uh, 4 by 4 by 4 challenge. And that is not what I want. I do not want that to come to a guts race. I am trying to run with my eyes open and with my eyes closed. I'm trying to be in decent shape so that it doesn't come down 
to like our mileage challenge where it's all being out of shape and going down to that pure guts race because that sounds terrible. Um, so I've been saying this to keep myself honest. I'm going to keep going for runs. The buildup is happening. I'm getting myself in shape. Well, I'm coming for you, man. I'm, I'm out here grinding while Mike's walking the dogs on the beach. Um, yeah, I don't really have much on the Bell app other than, you know, every single review on iTunes helps us out. So go give us a five-star review if you haven't already. Leave a, leave a nice little comment. You put a, put a tattoo idea in there. Once we get to 300 reviews, we're going to go get P2E tattoos. On that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Joes. Ever since you came back around the way, I ain't trying to be a player. So many things that I want to say. You know I got a little wiser. I don't want to lose your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight. I ain't got many friends I can talk to. No way to run when I'm in trouble. You know I would do anything for you. We don't have to keep it under cover. I don't wanna lose your love tonight. I don't wanna lose your love tonight. Come on. N O B E Y O U. I ain't tryna lose your love tonight. I just wanna make you feel alright. N O B E Y O U.